Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, this weekend, I my sports viewing was dominated by watching our Hokies on the softball field. Like, as much as uh, that was what I watched on TV this weekend. If I watched TV, it was that I was limited to how much I could watch to a degree. Then, then there was extra games to watch because <laughs> the Hokie women there. They did it the hard way, but they won their region that they were hosting. They had to play the maximum number of games and uh, regulation innings, but they did it. And, uh, you know, offense finally came through when it needed to. The pitching was good at times, but allowed some stuff at times. Um, you know, when when their first game on Friday is 4 nothing, and then – you think everything's fine, then the world got flipped upside down. And so they had to battle the rest of the weekend, and it was a lot of tight games, and, but they got it done. And so can they use that as a momentum builder, or is it an indication of something else? You know, the results will speak for that. You know, we, we don't know that until next weekend when they get to host Florida. But I was really excited they won because I'd have been really disappointed if they lost in that opening weekend, especially um, hosting. I just w- – I really would have – I, I think they were good enough this year. The number three ranking, I would have, I would have counted that as a as a pretty big disappointment. And uh, so I'm glad they won. Yeah, no, they definitely had to do it the hard way, like you said. Uh, and I was kind of surprised they lost to Kentucky that first time around. But then to be able to come back and win uh, twice on Sunday to punch their ticket into the super regional was great. Uh, they'll get Florida, who was as expected. So hopefully they'll be able to beat them. I know they beat them already this year, but um, obviously this is, you know, a different animal this time around and uh, you got to got to win two. So if the Hokies can win two this coming weekend and they're back to Oklahoma City, which is great. And uh, it's another team from Virginia making a deep run in the College World Series. I. You know, Richard pitched the first time these two teams played. And so I I note that because early in the season, Richard was pretty dominant, even even in losses to Alabama, even, you know, in the big games against the good teams, she was pretty dominant. I mean, Alabama only got, I think, three runs over two games off of her. And uh, Florida only got the one run. I don't think Richard is pitching as dominant down the stretch here as she – had early in the season and, and even what she did last year. So I think that's why we saw some of the pitching decisions with the coaches this weekend, um, you know, having the other girls in there. But, you know, when it comes down to it, when it's crunch time, they're putting Keeley in there. And so uh, I'm, I'm hoping she can kind of find that. I'm not going to say fires. She pitches with a lot of emotion, but I, I hope that touch of dominance that we've seen from her in the past, I hope that can come back. I think they have to have it for the, for her to get, for them to get to Oklahoma City, I think she's going to have to have really good pitching performance uh, this weekend. And whenever she comes in, um, I'm sure she'll start probably that first game. But whenever she's used, she's going to have to, you know, not give up too much at all because Florida is going to take even more advantage than what Kentucky did. And Kentucky is one of those, you know, seasoned SEC teams that gets battled every week and and Florida even more so. So they're, they're going to have to. They're going to have to play good softball, really good softball. I'm not, I'm not saying perfect, but not terribly far from it to, to get out of this series because this is a good team rolling into Blacksburg. But, hey, Super Regionals, everybody is, should be awesome. And, uh, you know, we saw 
what, six, five, six teams um, that were seeded lose this weekend. We saw number two, Florida State. We saw number six, Alabama, number 11, Tennessee, number 13, Washington, and number 15, Arizona. All of those teams go down this weekend. And, and Virginia Tech at one point looked like on the ropes like they were going to be that too. So I, I'm glad they're not on that list, but it can happen because that's softball and momentum will get you. And um, I mean, a great example of that momentum was when in that last game, when the manager, when the coach uh, Pete uh, Demore comes out, he gets tossed, and I think you kind of had that feeling then with the crowd getting fired up. You're like, okay, the Hokies are going to do, are, are going to do here. They're not, they're not going away. They're going to have that fire in them now. And I think we saw that they they kind of shut things down from that point on pretty well. Uh, they finally got their bats going again. There was a great play at the fence, robbing a home run. So it just it seemed like that energy level picked up a touch there, which. I'm not even saying in a bad way. I mean, it's the second game of a double hitter against a good team after a rain delay. Like, you know, maybe they needed that little bit of jolt that is reasonable that they needed that. So um, it was fun. It, it, all the game. I mean, the whole weekend was fun. Even even the fact they lost that first game against Kentucky. I mean, they were up for nothing. It was a grand slam. It was a fun game. It's just then all of a sudden Kentucky fans were having a little more fun than tech fans. But that's that's the game. And that's that's why all these tournaments for baseball and softball aren't single elimination. Um, in the in the NCAA tournaments, I know the ACC tournament was for softball, but you know baseball's not built for you know undefeated seasons, and so um, it, it, it it's nice that it allows. I think it helps the best teams actually win when you get that. I mean, last year Oklahoma doesn't win the national championship if it's some kind of single elimination tournament, um, and you know Oklahoma was awesome last year, and they're awesome this year. So I mean that's that's what everybody's looking up to this year. So we'll see it. We'll yeah. see if they can do it. Yep, we will. And, uh, and, you know, like you said, these regionals and super regionals are exciting. And, yeah. you know, Virginia Tech didn't fall victim to the upset bug that other teams did. So that's an accomplishment in itself. But, again, you know, I, I think if you ask them coming into this regional tournament, like, hey, is winning the regionals good enough? No, they want to be back in Oklahoma no, City. They want to get back there, and they want to see if they can improve and win a national championship this year. It's not an unrealistic goal. It's tough. But it's not unrealistic, and this team has the capability to do that if they're, like you said, if they're playing at the best of their ability, which they're going to have to do against Florida. But And I think having these multiple pitchers really reminds me of the fact that, that they do have a realistic shot at that because yes. we saw what JMU did last year with one pitcher. I mean, and I know as much as we tried to turn it that they have two pitchers and Odyssey hurt during that season and they had someone else pitching, when it came down to crunch time, they were putting Odyssey out there. And we – and we eventually saw Odyssey not at her best. And, and that's what this weekend I was quick to remind people of when it's like, well, where's Keeley? Why doesn't he have Keeley in there? It's like we all saw the monster that Odyssey was last year and how dominant she was, and we still saw her struggle in, in the end. Like, he's trying to avoid that. I mean, he, you know, and, and it's not just he's thinking of Odyssey. He's thinking of, like, how athletes' bodies can handle that much wear and tear. And – uh I mean, also the mental side of it all. And, and I think we always get reminded of that. So I think he was doing what he thought was best for the team. It worked out. So, and, and it, you know, the reason they got in that spot wasn't somebody falling apart. So let's talk about the baseball team. Cause that was the other thing that dominated my weekend. Cause I was flipping over to that during softball because they were at all in Blacksburg. And uh, so the weather delays were on the same page. So I couldn't uh, look at one while other, the other one was in rain delay, but baseball swept Duke. And the reason they want to talk about it is they go up to number two now in the nation. They are on an absolute tear with a 40 and 11 record. They started out like 0 and 4 on the season, and then obviously only seven losses since then. So just a great 
turnaround from early. They knew they had talent there this year. They've been showing it. So they're set up for the ACC tournament this week. On Thursday, they'll play Clemson. On Friday, they'll play UNC. If they're able to win their little box, then they'll go into the semifinals that are Saturday at 1 with a hopeful final on Sunday at noon. So I'm looking ahead at that. I, I watched a little bit of the baseball, but it was more I flipped there just to get kind of updates. But I'm excited to start watching that too. So uh, a lot of fun hokey diamond sports going on there. Um, I know UVA is up to 15 in the rankings. And so, you know, they're a program that's won a national championship in recent past. So they'll be looking for those high hopes. I haven't watched them at all this year, but I know some of our listeners definitely care about that. And uh, so we'll be watching for that and seeing where what they're able to do in the ACC and uh, where they'll be in the NCAA too. Yeah, I mean, the ACC tournament is kind of weird in the sense that they do kind yeah. of pods to advance to a semifinal. Um, so that, I mean, you were saying softball single elimination. That baseball can act like a single elimination at times. If if one yeah. team ends up getting an upset and then winning the second game too, then that knocks the top team out like they're done. So You kind of kind of go got to go undefeated in your pod if you really want to come out of it. So, right. uh, yeah. Yep, it, it is. You got a little bit of an opening more than you did in softball, but not much. So looking ahead for that. Most of those baseball games are those first during the week games. Baseball games are on the RSN. So it's like on Comcast Sportsnet if you're here local. Um, so heads up to everybody there. It's not on the, you know, the network they made for the ACC. It's on, you know, got to find it deep on the dial there. So that brings us to the high school stuff that I know locally here. Uh, everybody's tuned into uh, hitting baseball first. Uh, Wilson, as we said, they've locked up the district. Um, they're looking to be like a top four seed in 3C, which I do think is important to get a home game um, in there. Higher the better, obviously. Riverheads, they're streaking right now. They're, that's the team that I think early in the season, you know, when they were 5-0, and 6-0, and wherever they got to uh, undefeated, that's who we thought they were. They're playing like that again. Uh, They just dropped five in the middle of the season. Um, A lot of close games, but can't drop them all. But they got back to their winning ways. They have one makeup game left against Stewart's Draft on Tuesday. If they win that, they will be the number one seed in 1B. Very important to uh, host games, especially in that region with how far people have to travel. Uh, So Riverhead's kind of looking their best at the right time. Uh, Buffalo Gap's locked up the three seed. Um, So we will see what Riverhead's can do to – manage that one B we'll see what Fort defiance is able to do uh, as they will not play their last game on the schedule that got wiped off the slate Monday night. And uh, they'll play Rockbridge on Wednesday for kind of that play in game coming from the 10 seed. Um, so those teams appear in Stanton Waynesboro seasons are done, but the rest of them forts on the line and then everybody else should be in there. Stewart's draft will be in there somewhere. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to those games happening now. It seems like we've been lining up for the postseason for so many weeks now that I'm glad it's finally here. It's, it's going to start this week. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that, you know, Fort actually, you know, we've talked about the struggles they've had, but they still have a shot. I mean, they're not done. So if they can find a way to upset somebody like uh, Rockbridge, then, you know, get in. That's that. not a huge upset. This isn't. This isn't. No, a, it's not. It's not. Play in the top seed. This is like right. Play-in. Yeah, and this is a play in. But then you, yeah, <laughs> then you play LCA, and you know, yeah. I don't know how much I like them there, but at least they'd be in it and ha- control their own yeah. destiny a little bit. Versus like it's over. See ya. Um, Wilson's gonna. I mean, they 
it's not going to be easy for Wilson. They're going to have to play Rustburg, um, LCA, and, Rustburg. Well, but if they win, you know, maybe a Spotswood. Spotswood's very good, yeah. So um, I want to see where that final seeding comes in. That's the one thing we didn't really have at, at the time of recording is exactly how these points are playing out. Uh, Wilson was a three seed a week ago, so uh, I'm not sure right. you know, if they've been able to move That's up true. from that spot or not. Um, probably unlikely with the four-point separation there. But, yeah, looking at a potential semifinal against Spotswood, going to be tough. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, we've talked about draft and 2B, and I just – I don't think – I don't think they're going to have enough to get to that region championship. So um, – but we'll see. And, and good luck to them. And I, I, good luck to all our teams. You know, Riverhead's gap in 1B, one, one too. But um, – I hope you feel a little bit better about Riverhead's in 1B now, now that – they're able to get to that one. They're going to have that home field advantage. Like not really. You're pretty dismissive last week. I, I yeah, just, not really. They're playing great now. If they had this game in the middle of their five game losing streak, I'm with you. But I mean, they've won a lot of games now against some of these tough teams. Like Wilson's the only team that they lost to twice. Okay. I don't, no. Is the answer to your question is no. So. <laughs> so the other side of this, you just think that much of the rest of one B. You think no. Nope. You think the other teams are that nope. strong. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Are. I'm just saying I think one B is inconsistent. That's what I'm saying. I think they all are. So I'll, I'll take the team with the the best points. The the hometown team. I'll take them. I'll, <laughs> I'll take that's fine. Team. I mean, I hope I hope they win. I'm just saying. If you're asking me, like, do I feel confident about it? No, I don't. Okay. Better. Better is what I was hoping for. A cool thing that's happened in baseball uh, that I hadn't seen before is they're doing this JV 14 playoff tournament. I think it's cool that they're doing that. I, I like I like that for these kids to have like some postseason experience at the young age. Um, they got rained out Monday night, but uh, I think it's cool that they're having that. So look for updates there. I know like Wilson Riverheads are the are the favorite in that. So I, I just think it's interesting that they're doing that. Uh, I hadn't seen if they're doing it on the softball side. I hope they are because I think that's easy enough to do now that this district right. is all local. I think that you can do these interesting things because teams aren't sending buses way up the road. So I like that I see it here for baseball. I hope there's other chances for stuff like that. I think, yeah, I think it would be nice to do that in all the sports. I mean, I think, you know, I think that would be fun for the kids and give them, as you said, it's experience and more playing time. Here's a must-win game. Yeah, more playing time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a week. You know, it's a couple days. It's just not that big a deal. All right, so over to the softball diamond. Um you know, we're really watching Fort Defiance, Riverheads, uh, Fort obviously undefeated, still on their tear, 19-0. and 0. Um, They're going to be, you know, that one or two seed and three C, and going to be a handful for anybody they face. Not a lot of drama there. They just got to get to play in those games. Uh, Riverheads, similar there. They're going to, they're already own the top spot in that region. Everybody's got to come through Riverheads. So a lot of, a lot of high seed softball is going to be coming through Augusta County this week for these regions. And, and I think both of those teams will probably represent our area well. Um, I think, you know, Riverheads didn't fare as well against Fort this last time they played, but they battled them hard early. I think they're capable of playing good softball. We've seen them in previous years get deep, so I'm optimistic about that. Fort Defiance, it's just tough. It's just tough in 3C, and you're going to have a tough matchup. Last year, you know, just coming up just short, they really want to advance on that. So really hoping that they can do that, really rooting for them. That's that. Honestly, that's – like my biggest hope is that Fort Defiance can can take advantage because it just seems like they've been on that doorstep um, for so long and such a good program. I'd like to see it 
you know, advance as far as it can, uh, you know, win a state championship. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I think they'll be able to get out of the region this year, which is great and get into that state tournament. And then I think Riverheads too, you know, we've mentioned Riverheads and yeah. in, in the role their softball team has been on and they've been a little more consistent. So I feel a little more confident that they can get that done on the softball side of things. So I, I think it is more of a lock that we have two teams representing our area in the state tournament in softball. I think I, I agree with that point um, because those two teams, I think are better in their reach. I mean that having that three C team, that's Fort defiance. I think they're better in three C than Wilson is in baseball in three C. Yeah. All right. Uh, soccer. So last week, as we were recording, Wilson was applying a beat down to Stanton. Uh, that was a seven, nothing win for Stanton for Wilson over Stanton. So, separation has been shown there. I know Stanton has the injuries, but still that's some separation there. So now Wilson's that team that's going into these three C playoffs that they're going to have their hands full. I mean, that three C is tough. There's multiple teams in three C that are going to cause them problems. Uh, I guess that's what Meridian now uh, high school. That's so strong in that division. So we'll see what they can do. Um, And then that's, and that's kind of where we're looking for, boys soccer success there i know we're going to get a lot of teams in the playoffs um but i don't expect a lot of deep runs yeah i mean it's just i i know wilson has done very well in the district and that's great and and i hope they can make a run in the region but man that it's not like they're battle tested yeah i was gonna say it it it's just going to be really hard just because like you were touching on there, class three is so deep and, and even our class and two and class one not. teams is just, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have hopes there for them. So, um, half the district is two wins or less. It's, that's just, not yeah. It, yeah. It's just not, not going to be great for them, but. Oh, on the girl oh. side, um, you know, Waynesboro was kind of that surprise team this year. Mm-hmm. So I, all my hope is behind them that they can, keep on surprising us that just ride that momentum. Uh, I think similar to the guy side is just getting out of the three C's tough, really, really tough. And especially for a Waynesboro team that I don't recall having a lot of success in girls soccer in previous years. Um, you know, it doesn't mean you can't now it, and you can shock the world and that's great. And you can be that team. No one's expecting to beat you. I think that's what Waynesboro's done during the regular season here. I think they surprised for it. They surprised Wilson. Um, so can they continue to surprise people it will be the question. And, and so that starts this week with this district and, and it's going to be tough. So, or in the region, sorry. It will, but I, I do think, I do think that this girls soccer team has faced stiffer competition during the regular season. And so like with Wilson and their district, yeah. Yep. They're non-district was and their non-district was, yeah. was better. So I do think they have what it takes to get into a state tournament. I would not be surprised to see Coach Moore take those girls to the state right. tournament this year, and that's what we're hoping for. Um, so I think girls' soccer, more so than boys' soccer, I like our chances of getting a team in the state tournament. Over to track and not any results from the last week since we already had the district finals, but all the region track meets will happen this week. Uh, so Region 1B is Wednesday at Sussex Central a name to watch there. I'm going to just try to give you at least one name from each uh, classification here. 
watch out for Summer Wallace from Riverhead. She's been lighting it up on the district side and uh, last year even. So watch for her in class one in region 2B. Uh, it's going to be at East Rock on Wednesday. Stewart's drafts Leah Wood. Uh, same same comments there. She's light, lit it up last year, been lighting it up this year. Um, saw where she signed for Liberty and Division One track scholarship down there. So uh, watch for that name. And then in Region 3C, uh, that meet is, I believe, at Waynesboro on Thursday. And these long-distance runners is what I want to watch out for there. I want to watch Forts, Abbey Lane, and Waynesboro's Adam uh, uh uh, grows there. I want to see what those two people are able to do uh, on the long distance running in 3C because both of those schools did well all season in the long distance running, but also in the cross country season, those were the top uh, people there for these long distance running. So that's what we're watching for in the track this week. I expect a lot of success from our Augusta County teams in those in those regions. I think Riverheads, I, th I think they did, I think they won that region last year on the girls' side. So I, I want to see if they're able to do that again. Um, I know we all know Stewart's draft had great success last year uh, on the track. So um, I'm not doing the kiss of death like I did last year because I just don't want to. I, actually, I should. I should do the kiss of death. No one will win states in track. I think that's what I said a year ago. And, uh, and then Stewart's draft did. So let me say it again. No one will win it. And I look forward to finding out who does because that was, that was a great surprise. So track, getting into regions this week, that'll be great. Yeah, that is great. Um, hopefully... We have success there uh, with all our track athletes, and hopefully we get a team in there. On the tennis courts, the on the guy side, Chase Pullen, the senior from Wilson Memorial, uh, he's into the final on Tuesday morning, so good luck to him. He'll be taking on um, a challenger from Meridian, I believe, there. Uh, so that'll be a tough test for him. He also is doing well on the double side, uh, leading his team to a victory on Monday. On the girl side, I know – um, that Stanton's double team did fall, so uh, weren't able to advance. I know there was some hope there of advancing, but on the single side, uh, Forts, uh, uh, I, Mooney is her last name. Uh, she was able to win the quarterfinals, came up short in the semifinals, so we don't have any representative in the finals on the girls' side. But, you know, the tennis uh, finals go quicker than uh, the rest of these sports, uh, so I wanted to drop those in here. Uh, Wilson, the boys have been so dominant these last few years, uh, but they haven't been able to get that team uh, championship. I think they even got beaten the regions last year. Uh, so we still have some team scores to see there out of uh, Wilson Memorial. I think that's the big hope across the both sides of tennis there. If those Wilson boys can advance out of the region there. All right, let's jump to the NBA. Did you watch any of that this weekend? I caught about, I think a combined four minutes between the Celtics Heat game three and Golden State game three. So that Boston game, uh, Miami game, Miami went way up way early. And yeah. It just deteriorated and deteriorated. But Miami finds a way to hold on and win that game. And just uh, here's the word grit. It was a gritty performance uh, to get up that big and then just watch it wither away and not completely fall uh, there. You know, credit to them to holding on there. Um, but you know, Monday night, they haven't started that game very well. I, they were down like 26 to four when we started recording this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that was part of the first quarter was part of what I saw with our interview guest that we had a few weeks ago, Ryan Reed. Uh, and then, uh, he, him being a Celtics fan was not loving that first quarter, but 
Yeah, you know, I. Yeah, he's much happier tonight, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, and then I saw the end of the Golden State game where they came out on top, yeah, which was good. They're just better. Dallas, I think what I was hearing people say, they're just a year early. They they somehow found themselves in this spot a year early um, because Phoenix completely fell apart there. I, I don't know. I don't know if Golden State's going to be I was going to say, what does that mean? A year early to being second place to Golden State in the conference finals? Like, yeah. And Luca, I mean, it's not his fault. I mean, he's scoring no. 35 a game. It's not his fault. He just needs better pieces around him. And some of the young guys, I guess they're hoping can be those pieces. They're just not kind of ready for that light yet. So, eh, that's fine. I, it's not like I'm pulling. I don't know. That's my problem right now is, like, I look at these four teams, and I'm not like, I don't know who I'm going to say would make me happy if they win. Like, that's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't like any of them. I don't, well, it's not that I don't like any of them. I just don't dislike any of them oh i don't like mark cuban i'm not into him okay. golden state's completely worn off on me i liked them when the, before they won when they were just starting to win when they were just like getting into the playoffs and as you'd watch those games on tnt those first round playoff games late on tnt and it was just loud in there and it was like well here's steph curry still you know carrying from college doing well I, I liked it then. It just I tired of it pretty quickly. I they got very confident in themselves quickly, and it I just wasn't for me anymore. Um, Miami I've never liked. Boston I definitely don't like. So I just yeah I got nothing. I got nothing. Okay. I mean I uh, to be fair, the the round before this I was kind of rooting for Phoenix, and I don't like Chris Paul. So like obviously I was getting pushed in wrong directions here. Yeah, I just don't. I don't have any strong rooting interests either way other than who I invest in that particular night. You don't have any uh, futures on in the NBA? Come on. Oh, I do have 94 cents on the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> when did you put that in, 94 cents? When my account had some dollars in 94 cents. <laughs> so I put the 94 cents in to get rid of the 94 cents. Was that in the last couple of weeks or was that months ago? <laughs> it was about a month ago. Okay. There's change in there now that I. So it's not even going to win that much money then. Uh, no, I think it's like two or $3. Okay. Well, I was hoping for a situation where you could give me 20 bucks, but. No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I guess I'll hit this for the Commanders fans, uh, the Washington football team fans. Uh, apparently, the franchise just bought $100 million worth of land uh, about a half an hour down 95, uh, close to um, down... Uh, Woodbridge, well, Virginia. Region. Yeah, down near Woodbridge. I, I don't know. I think this is more of a play to make these other sites... Um, want them more or do more to keep them, then I think it is like destined that this is where they go. I don't think you um, spend a hundred million dollars on land to not do anything. I like think that. a guy that's as diversified as Daniel Snyder does uh, looking at the, everything that how it doesn't make sense on that land makes me think it's just a negotiation ploy, but <laughs> Hey, where they're at now doesn't make sense either. I was so going to say, <laughs> I don't think that makes it. Yeah, I don't think that's the infrastructure anything. around this place. It makes no sense. Like, well, they're talking about like, building like a mini city around it. Like, they're talking about building stuff around the stadium too, kind of yeah. like the Cowboys did. 
And they're a long ways away from the infrastructure around that to, to that has to be created for that to happen. That uh, they're they're thinking there's no way this is the answer for 2026 whenever this lease happens. Maybe 10 years after that. It was the was the reactions I was getting from people that seem to know DC better than me. They I, everybody if that was talking there seemed like, yeah, they're going to be in Virginia, but they're going to be at Landover. They're going to be closer to those facilities that they already have, or not Landover, in uh, where they're... Um, Ashburn. In Ashburn. Ashburn, there's this plot of land that somebody related um, has it, and it was going to be some better deal for him, but they still want a commitment from the um, state on how much money they would contribute. Um, it's a little bit more an open space where they have, they're not landlocked as much as they are where this land they just bought now is. So like everybody's pushing that. They think this is them putting that pressure on. Like, you know, you're going to have to do a lot to make this work here. If you just do this over here, you could actually spend less money, give the money directly to us. And this is where we're going. This is, this is what I was hearing on uh, the podcast I listened to today. Um, well, there's also some stupid plan where they stay where they're at, uh, but build a dome right next to FedEx. And I'm like, uh, half your problem is your location. I don't, yeah, they're not, I don't think they're going to build again on their location. I don't think they're building again in Landover, but I hope not. Um, it's not the state they're asking for money. It it would be the localities they're asking for money. They're asking the state for money from any of these locations. Well, then. That's not a market. That's not a ploy to ask the state for more money because Woodbridge is also in Virginia. So the state. So what I was just saying there is that the state would have to invest in infrastructure around that area, more money to make that work, to make that lot of land work for. So like they'd be forced to spend money to like make that a feasible place for Virginians to live in the in and around that area that the football team is ploying that of saying, well, here you could just give us, hand us the money, <laughs> just hand us the hundreds of millions of dollars and give us what we want. And then, you know, we're in better shape here because the Woodbridge area is so landlocked with existing structures and all that. It's apparent. I don't know, man, I'm repeating what I heard on a podcast. So I don't want to sound like some kind of expert. Song. Yeah. I, I just, inside, I don't know. Inside I, information was saying they're using this land as an, like, Okay, so then he can sell it back off and probably still make money or create something there that's not even football related if the state of Virginia will just give him money for the stadium that they want to build up there in Ashburn. That's how they were explaining it. I hear you. And I, I didn't listen to the podcast and I don't know. Like I I just I see a hundred million dollars spent on land and I don't think he does that for nothing. I don't think he does that to flip the land. And so to me, when I saw that, I was like, okay. I guess that's where they're going to put the stadium. Maybe it's not terribly convenient to put it there, but Landover's not terribly convenient. Apparently they have a a better situation there. But I think it's weird that this news is coming out right now. I think it's more smoke than most things. I know there's $100 million laid on the table. Um, But they're talking – I mean, Dan Snyder has all kinds of smoke around him of of owners getting him out of there and that apparently the owners are really strongly talking that they're – they have the votes to get them out of there. So I just, I, I wonder what's the story behind the story here. Like why, you know, it's, it's what's <laughs> come, you know, why, why is this getting leaked out now? Why is this getting told now? Um, you know, why are they pushing this news out when 
what I was hearing two days ago was how the owners have, have him on the way out. So that's, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, I, I don't buy that story either, I guess. I'll believe that when I see it. I don't think NFL owners are going to make another NFL owner sell their franchise unless there is something we just haven't heard yet. I don't think any I mean, of the stuff out right now is enough to get rid of Daniel Snyder. I'm not saying that, 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 that that's right. right now is all the stuff? I'm not saying that. Well, yeah, I'm not <laughs> saying that that's all the stuff either. But I'm just saying, and I'm not saying that that's not right because there's some stuff that he's been accused of that is absolutely heinous. But these are NFL owners. They're all doing stuff heinous. Jerry Jones has done heinous stuff. Jerry Jones ain't going to sell the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it wasn't that long ago they made Charlotte sell uh, that guy, sell his team. So what? we're not that far removed from them going through these motions. I would say there was... If I remember that situation correctly, there was some racial elements that were not great for the league in there. That is not what is going on in Washington right now. Those have come up. That's not the part of the story that's being reported, if it, if it has. I mean, all those Gruden emails were all racist, and they were with... But that person's uh, fired. Shit ...people and back and forth with but, people... Well, but Dan Snyder's not connected, and all the people that were in those emails that were leaked are no longer with the organization. You wish that the stuff that is being accused that's out there was as important to the NFL as... Yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Jerry Jones has been... Jerry Just Jones has been caught with escorts in public places. Like, nothing has happened to his team. Embarrassing things have happened to Jerry Jones, being the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Nothing has happened to his team. Uh, Robert Kraft situation. Yeah. Still owns the New <laughs> England Patriots. Like, I'm just saying. It's, again, I, you're not wrong, Leland. Wish some of that was as important to NFL owners as, you know, the bottom line, but it's not. So I'm just saying, I'll believe Daniel Snyder has to sell his team when that's reported. And I'm hoping for it. Not source, anonymous sources say owners think they have the votes. Because the other thing that the owners think is what if the stuff about me comes out? What if Daniel Snyder has to sell his team and then it's, okay, you know what? That's cool. I have to sell my team because of this. How about I just unload all the information I have on all of you? Because that guy apparently has dossiers on everyone. And so just drops all the information, and then they all have to sell their teams. That's also out there. So I, I just I don't think he's going to have to sell his team. I don't think he spends $100 million on land for fun. I mean, he's spent he's spilt a lot of money on other things other than football. Like, I mean, he he. But this is tied to that. Like, it's the Washington Commanders bought a hundred million dollars of land in Woodbridge, Virginia. Not Daniel Snyder bought a hundred million dollars of land in Virginia. Yep. So there's something they're doing. Something I don't think they bought it. I think they are doing something. I think I, I don't know. I guess I just listen to I don't think they're moving their team facilities. I know, but I don't think they're moving. I guess that the question is, then why did they do it? What's what's the end game for the Washington Commanders? Are there a lot of examples of teams buying land and then either flipping it or doing nothing? I would imagine that answer is no. And they they just built these team facilities in Ashburn. They just built practice facilities 
I believe there's some in Richmond. Um, so, they're not using those anymore. Oh, okay. Well, they've already abandoned that. That's right. That's why they're in Ashburn. Yep. Duh. Um, so they're not gonna. They're not moving the team stuff into Ashburn to Woodbridge. I, I just. I don't think. I don't think they spend hundred million dollars there for fun. I do think that's where the. I know fans aren't excited about that. I get it. It's not near DC. It's not super convenient. It's on 95, which will probably be another place that the state pays people to just park on I-95 to cause traffic now to make it even more inconvenient for fans to get to games. But it is what it is. They can join Fredericksburg on places where you're like, why is there so much traffic here? (laughs) So has anything uh, dominated your life this weekend? <sighs> yeah, I mean, baseball, but other baseball than you. Um, VCU baseball wrapped up their regular season sweeping Fordham as their fourth consecutive sweep of an opponent in A-10 play. They're the 2C going into the A-10 tournament, which starts on Tuesday. They'll play their rival, the Richmond Spiders, in Davidson, North Carolina. So Crosstown Rivals go all the way to North Carolina to play a first ten. First round A-10 tournament matchup, which is just one of those funny things about conference tournaments. Not complaining. It just is what it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, so VCU will be looking to win the A-10 because they probably have to win the A-10 to get into the regional tournament. I don't think they're going to get in that large bid. Um, but that said, they've closed the season strong. 11 straight wins. Tyler Locklear had something goofy, like 16 RBIs this weekend in the three oh, games. Wow. So he was A-10 player of the week for the second consecutive week. He is really rounding into form at a good time for pro scouts to be seeing what he's doing. And um, yeah. that draft is what, mid-June? July now. Is um, it? Yeah, that was one of the things in the CBA. Um, backing that up a little bit. But, I just remember we used to get like Stanton Braves players for like two weeks, and then, yeah. <laughs> then they were Now you have them for or... a month. Yeah, now you have them for a month before they're gone. <laughs> but um, – yeah, for I mean, for Locklear, it was you know two three run homers and a grand slam for the majority of those RBIs, but also had some on singles and doubles. Uh, but yeah, he he had a great series, and they're really coming into form at the right time. So hopefully they can get hot and find a way to knock off Davidson twice because I do think Davidson might be able to survive not winning the conference and still get in to the regional. But we'll see. Um, I, that's not going to be their goal. So. <laughs> they're not out of the kindness of their heart. They're not going to let someone else win the A-10 tournament. So VZ is going to have to earn it. And then the other baseball was the franchise got called up. Finally. Um, finally. And you were, you were just talking about this. I know, but you were mad a week ago. Yep. All is forgiven. Uh, Mike Elias called him up and that's great. We loved it. Uh, triple in his first major league hit in his first major league game against the Rays. Uh, it was it was a blast. There's a lot of pressure on this kid, and that is not lost on me yeah. when I read tweets like the Orioles are giving away souvenir ticket stubs to fans when they exit the stadium at the end of the game. Like, I'm like, I, I said it to you and Steve in a group message. I was just like, man, I hope he's good because otherwise we have wasted a lot of money and just this this is going to be all the stuff that pops up in like freezing cold takes <laughs> when, if it doesn't work out. Because they're, they're making, like, a trailer. They're doing – my brother joked it's, like, a documentary that they're going to be releasing on Mass. And I was like, 
I know you're kind of joking, but it does kind of feel like that's going to be the thing that gets announced in the offseason is that's, Adley that's Rushman Doc. That's you when they like you like okay he's up and then like 10 minutes later here's the scene from orioles twitter that's the trailer and i'm like the reason he didn't come up last week and it made you mad was because they had to get all this stuff ready like they had to do all the production value on it i mean it, i you send me so much Orioles stuff now my twitter thinks i i should see it all i, I don't follow all this baltimore Orioles you're welcome twitter, but i see it, it it gets pushed to me because either joe deck liked it or it's like we think you'd like this and so I have seen a lot of it this week. And yeah, the pressure, the pressure sure is on, though I've liked a lot of it. And he seems like a likable guy. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting, in all honesty, as much as you and I argue, and I'm going to concentrate my disagreement in sports with you on the Ravens because I'm going to be, you know, a supportive uh, fan of the Orioles. You know, I, I still have my, my true fandoms, but I'm going to be supporting you because it's easy to root for the Orioles in that division. My goodness. But... This kid seems like a nice guy. They've had these nice videos. They have it where he's get, when he gets told that he's coming up, and then the whole team's in there uh, celebrating him. They're showing him coming out to uh, behind home plate, and he looks around the stadium, and like that's awesome. Like that's that's the the romance of baseball, you know, in real life. It's not a movie, and you're seeing that kind of moment. So, and that's cool. And there he is hitting the triple, and then also scored. Uh, scored the, the winning, winning run. run the next game. Yeah, yeah scored the winning run and uh, walk off win. Um, so you yeah, hope this is like you hope this is like a, a third of the way into the movie, this kind of stuff. You know, right. this is the stuff that you hope is early enough in the movie where there's still such great stuff to happen for them and some kind of championship down the road. Awesome. But you, you just don't want this to be the end of the movie. And I know that's that's what you're scared of when you see this much hype on a, on a young player. But, hey, they've kept him down long enough. Hopefully he's well ready for it, um, grounded in the right ways. And uh, I'm rooting for him. And the Orioles, you know, they're they're not, you know, I'm not fooling myself. They're not going to the playoffs this year or anything. But it is nice to see people like Adley Rushman and Bradish get called up. And Vespi got called up earlier this week. And then we had to send him back down just because we needed more arms that were available. And I hope he's going to get called up again soon because he looked absolutely filthy uh, when he was pitching. And you see some of these other pitchers that are expected to be called up soon. And you're like, okay, like, this is what we've sucked for. Like, this is why we have sucked all these years. And now we're starting to see the pieces come up. And, wow, this lineup is a lot better when Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle aren't hurt. And I'm not watching Ryan McKenna play and whoever else, whatever other goofball we have in the lineup that night. Like, it's actual Major League players, and that looks cool. So, um I mean, we're beating the we beat the Yankees that just went final. Um, so it's always a good day when you beat the Yankees. But this has been exciting, and Buster only discovering oh, for the yeah. first time in his life that Mike Musina hasn't had his number retired by the Orioles isn't going to rain on that. So, and he's salty about it too. When people call him out, like, "Hey, what you're saying doesn't make sense," and then he's like replying salty. He's like puts the word reminder, like it was a reminder that. Messina's numbers aren't retired. You know why Messina's numbers aren't retired? And I'll, I'm handling this for you, Joe, because I did it on Twitter this weekend too. Is because he didn't retire as an Oriole. He didn't want the Orioles on his hat in the Hall of Fame plaque. He also went to the hated Yankees and beat the crap out of the Orioles after that. Like, not everybody gets their number retired. And he was yeah. a great Oriole while he was there, but everything since he left there didn't support him getting his number retired. You can honor him in some way, but he doesn't need his number retired. So move on. And that's why yeah. they've given the jersey to 12 plus other guys 
since Mike Mussina left. And just because here's the most positive thing for the Orioles in the last two years to happen, you don't have to rain on the parade with something that doesn't make sense. You're you're right. And, and I, I know I've sent a bunch of stuff to you on that, too, because I just like laugh when he does this stuff that is just like so obviously troll a troll job. And it's just. Man, um, and, and I don't even mind Buster coming into it like you hate Buster, like you keep telling me I generally don't mind Buster. I appreciated his appearance as a Mike and Mike for years. I really no. didn't have something wrong. And like, it's wearing on me of like, yeah, dude, you, you're kind of terrible. <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? Like, and this isn't the right where I'm making my turn. It, it's already been happening. I told um, you, like, I man. wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong. I warned you, you about uh, Fuente years ahead of time. You didn't listen. <laughs> I warned you about Buster. You didn't listen. I mean, these are some of the or- other Oriole greats that have won worn 35 that Buster only was remained silent on. Let me see if I know one of them. Hit me. Josh Towers. Not really. Yeah, neither do I. Rick Helling. Uh, he was a pitcher. Matt Riley. Not with confidence. Him and Rick Helling, both in 2003, wore that number. So that tells you how good they were. <laughs> there you go. Daniel Cabrera. I do remember Daniel Cabrera. Led the AL and hit batsman one year. Uh, Greg Aquino. Brad Burgesson. Brad Burgesson. Bill Hall. Omar Quintanilla. Danny Valencia. Brad, Valencia. Brad Brock has actually worn it the most years. He wore it for, uh, let's see here, two, four, five years. Dwight mm-hmm. Smith Jr., and Go back. We gotta find if there's any tweets. Adam, about, you know, Adam Brad Brock wore that jersey for his fifth season, even and the, the, the great disrespect to Mike Mussina that that was. Yeah, and we were in the playoffs some of those years, so I can't believe Buster didn't see the number thirty-five, unless of course he hates the Orioles so much he wasn't watching because we were in the playoffs. I mean, I, just, I wouldn't put it past the other him. thing. I think I saw it where it was like every other Orioles player that has yeah, I sent it to you. retired has won a World Series. So that standard has already been established. Yes, they're there also in the Hall of Fame, but they've also won a World Series for our franchise. Mike Mussina never there did, so he doesn't have his number retired. We're not a poverty franchise like the Yankees and go handing out retired numbers to people like Paul O'Neill. It's not our, that's not our deal. We don't retire everyone's number who ever played for us. Paul O'Neill probably doesn't have his number retired at his own house. Like why? The Yankees retired it. Why would they? Paul O'Neill. Because they retire everyone's number. If you played for the New York Yankees, I mean, they're retiring like Derek Jeter's number, and he wasn't even that good. So. (laughs) Well, he's, he has, he's in the Hall of Fame and he's won a World Series, so. (laughs) But, I mean, it's just, I'm just like, okay, dude. Uh, Paul O'Neill. And Buster Olney. Like, when I have to make a joke, when I have to make someone laugh about a Yankee, I say Paul O'Neill. Yeah, it's just. Buster only going off about it, though, just like, honestly, that one made me laugh out loud because I was like, to me, I was like, now it's bothering Buster. Like, now the reason we've tanked all these years, it's starting to come to fruition. And we're like, some of these young guys are coming up and, oh, the Orioles actually aren't that bad this year. Oh, no. Now they're getting the young guys up. Oh, crap. What what am I going to talk about? I know Mike Mussina. And I sent you another tweet that someone... Uh, it was somebody on MLB Network said, when I see Adley Rushman, I can't help but think of Buster uh, Buster Posey, which, again, I was like, man, that's a lot of pressure. But the per- the Orioles yeah. fan had 
tweeted in quotes pretending to be Buster Olney. When I see Adley Rushman, I can't help but think of Mike Musina. <laughs> like <laughs> I loved your line you gave to me uh, you know, off air this weekend that your warning of what was gonna have to happen when the Orioles won a World Series. Oh yeah. Either Buster Olney is gonna block me or he's quitting Twitter. I'm okay with either <laughs> one, but one of those is gonna happen. And I love that one. And honestly I might buy season tickets even if I can't go to any of the games the next year if, as part of the World Series celebration in the moment, the Orioles have Buster Olney escorted out of Camden Yards and put it on the Jumbotron. Just as part of the celebration. While the team's celebrating on the stage, while they've got it out, and there's confetti everywhere and fireworks and everyone's cheering, they just put up on the Jumbotron live video of Buster Olney being escorted out of Camden Yards by the police. I would just, oh my gosh, that stadium would love it. That that would buy the Orioles so much capital with the fan base. It would not even, I mean, it, we could go on another 20, gay, 20 year losing streak immediately after that World Series championship. If they did that, fans would be like, it was worth it. It was worth it to see Buster only get arrested. Yeah, At least give that, him a reason to hate us. I. Hey, when I'm not even an Orioles fan and I'm like getting defensive of it, you know, you know, he's doing something. I mean, there are Yankees fans who are like, Buster, what are you doing? There are Philly fans that are like, Buster, what are you doing? There are other teams fans that are like, Buster, why do you do this? And it's just never has any just just making an observation. I'm like, cool, dude. I wish you would make an observation about something else. So what dominated my life for a section of the weekend was scene two, the animated movie uh, with the lead uh, character. Well, I guess um, Matthew McConaughey's kind of the lead character's voice, but then you got like Reese Witherspoon, you got Scarlett Johansson, um, you have others. Uh, everybody's popular. That's in that movie. It's a bunch of stars. I can't. I, I just don't have it up in front of me. But like yeah. so many familiar voices. Um, Kroll is one of the characters, and, okay. and he's, he's really funny. I've been re-watching and, The League, yeah. Yeah, and um, so it's good. The, the first scene was really good. Uh, and, and again, this isn't necessarily, hey, everybody, go watch this movie. But hey, if you have kids, you might turn this movie on because it's, it's appreciated by the young'uns, and then it's, there's a lot in there that adults uh, can smirk at as well a lot of the song selections and it's, and it's a lot of that just like Zootopia, that humor of like what the animal is in that humanistic form. It's a lot of that humor, but for the whole family, so not quite like Bojack and, uh, but it's, it's good. And um, the song choices are good in this movie. It did actually have more old school songs than the first movie did. Hmm. Uh, Cause the first movie really hammered the, the current hits at the time. So, uh, but it was good and it was worth watching. So if you've seen scene one, I'd say I'd recommend scene two as well. Uh, if you don't, haven't seen any of them, it, it's not, you know, get in your car now and find uh, a red box or, cause you can't stream scene two right now. I, we had to do the red box for $1.50. I finally spent money on a movie for like the first time in years. So, um, but it was good. And, uh, that was a good time. And so we watched it. And then within 24 hours, I had watched it again. And, and like, that's, that's the life of a father of three kids under 10. You watch a movie and then you watch it again. So, well, I haven't seen all of Sing One. 
I can't imagine Sing Two is going to be high on my list. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to throw it up there. I was just. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. I enjoyed. I enjoyed it myself. And uh, if you were thinking, hey, I, I haven't watched that one yet with the kids, there's no reason not to. Sure. I've been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs more than the NBA playoffs. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay Lightning swept the Florida Panthers tonight. The, you got to lead with the, the the Lanch, man. That's the story here. Well, the, the Lanch are about to Stanley have their Cup, series tied up. Stanley Cup champions, you're and you're burying the lead. Well, they're about to have their series tied up. A little adversity. They're up 2-1 right now in the series, but they're down one nothing in game four. Still early, though. Uh, but I do think St. Louis might win that and even up the series. Uh, the Lightning swept the Panthers, which is the actual news, because that knocks out the team with the best record in the NHL in the regular season. Your cats. Their arch nemesis happened. The Tampa Bay Lightning are their kryptonite. They're really, really good. Vasilevsky is an amazing goaltender. And I feel like you predicted the opposite of this. You said it was going to be tight, but I thought you said... I did. I said I liked the Panthers in seven, and then they got swept. Um, It wasn't great, but such is life. I do think the Tampa Bay Lightning and Carolina Hurricanes will be a great series. I did have the New York Rangers winning game three yesterday. They did do that to make it a 2-1 series with Carolina. I do think Carolina, though, wins game four and then wins game five to knock out the Rangers with relative ease. I just think... My what I'm most excited about in that Carolina Tampa Bay series is going to be can Tampa Bay win in Carolina? No one has won in Carolina in the playoffs yet. Uh, Carolina has been dominant at home, and I look forward to seeing them go up against a goaltender like Vasilevsky, who is just playing out of his mind right now. Your Colorado Avalanche are actually the only team that I think might be able to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because the Tampa Bay Lightning, this is with, why you talk about them first. With Vasilevsky, is a wagon. I mean, they are hard to beat. They have been phenomenal this postseason, as they have been the last two postseasons. They're looking to three peat, which I'd have to look. I don't remember the last time that's been done in hockey. Uh, but they have a great shot to do so. But the Avalanche are going to have to get past a division rival in the St. Louis Blues first, and it looks like that series could potentially be two two. Repeat in hockey? I can't think of one in my lifetime. So the last time that anyone three-peated in the NHL was also the last time anyone has three-peated in... That's not true. That's not true. I was looking at something that's not true on Wikipedia. Um, The last three-peated in the NHL was the New York Islanders. 1980 to 1983. That happened right before I was born. So, and then by your logic, that didn't happen. That was before both you and I were born. So it didn't happen. Yeah. And they actually four-peated. <laughs> yeah. Now, That's what I'm the, the thing that I saw that I, I misread, it is true. The Islanders are the last team to four-peat in any of the professional sports. Okay. Last major four. I can handle that. The reverse four happened since then. I don't know what that means. The Bills getting beat four Super Bowls in a row. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an accomplishment. But yeah. Yeah, so I mean it's it's exciting. 
that the Tampa Bay Lightning might join that list. It would be historic. It'd be because of their goalie, Vasilevsky. Um, you don't get there without playing the kind of goaltending he has. So he's a he's a dominant goalie, and he plays his best in the playoffs. That's what makes him hard to beat. Well, cool. All right. I guess I have a... Uh, we have a good topic here. We... We were early on this saying what should happen and us and many people. Yeah. Um, and saying. obviously our influence had nothing really to do with it, uh, but I'm still happy it happened just the same. Uh, the women uh, USA soccer players uh, have got what they asked for, and that's equal pay, equal treatment uh, for the World Cup. I think even more so than what I thought that they would be able to get. Like my, you know, reasonable or you know what i thought oh this is what they'll give up and, and let and actually do the right thing here usa soccer they did even better because they have the agreement through 2028 equalization of fifa world cup prize money identical appearance fees and game bonuses and then commercial revenue sharing for the first time ever so basically i was saying hey you got to treat them the same you got to put them in the same hotels you got to travel them the same you got to pay them the same for the actual soccer play, like the base. And then I conceded, okay, if they add money so different from the men's and the women's, then you got to, you're going to have to, you know, that's the, the women have to understand that it's going to be, the, no, they're going to have, it's going to be equal across the board. And I love it. I love that USA soccer is just taking the lead on this. And that's exactly what we said. I know I said it and Joe agreed. Uh, I'm not trying to claim it as just my own. Uh, Joe was sitting there nodding as I was saying it was the U.S. should be the leaders on this. Like, if, yeah, no one else is doing it, the U.S. should just show them the way. They should make it equal, show them that it can be done, there's no reason it can't be done, and, and be on the right side of history and be first on something that's good. And so I'm glad that they are. I'm glad I, you know, would have been nice if it didn't have to have public um, negativity to get there. But you know what? I, I think it makes me happier, too, that the, that the women stood up for what was right and uh, got the equal that they deserve. And so I'm happy for that. I'm glad for the people that stood up. And I'm sure at times it was hard to stand up. And uh, you, I'm sure they felt like they were at risk. And uh, there's probably stories of people that were at risk that stood up and, and uh, got shut out because of the way they stood on this. I'm glad they all came together and, and got that done. And I'm glad people, you know, not just women, I'm glad men stood up for this too. And we finally got what was deserved for these USA women's soccer players. Well, I think what you and I learned during this process of, you know, the women's national team suing us soccer to get equal pay, um, was that the men and the women aren't collectively bargained together. And that changed this time around for the first time, which as a, as a soccer fan, I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Like I, I would imagine that the national teams would be collectively bargained together. Uh, and so, you mentioning the World Cup prize money being distributed evenly also makes them in more money. Like I do, like, and I think that was part of the argument the women were making to the men to join the collective bargaining. It was like, hey, you can also get more money out of this because now it's not just the men's tournament prize money. The men get paid that. The women's tournament prize money. The women get paid that. It's the men and women. They combine the pots, and then that gets divvied up 50-50. So that is more money to both. Uh, and I think that's great. Uh, the ad money. The ad money was the huge one. That being equal. The ad money is great for that, and um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. And I think this is only going to help 
continue the dominance of yeah. women's soccer in on the world stage. Hopefully the men's soccer team can pick it up on the world stage. Uh, they've qualified for the World Cup, so hopefully in the World Cup this go-around, they, they have a strong showing. We'll see when Qatar rolls around in November. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. I think it's long overdue, and it's happened, and it's nice to see that be you know, some good news uh, of things that were accomplished recently. And uh, I think you don't hear a lot of negativity about it, which I don't. I don't know what the downside to this would be. Like I, no, I no, yeah. even trying to think like, okay, devil's advocate, what would be the downside to this? I'm like, I don't know, but every, the players get more money, which good. The soccer federation maybe doesn't have as much of the percentage as they used to, to hold on to and be able to invest and spend. But judging how they have invested and spent it so far, like that's also probably a good thing. Cause I don't, Maybe they would have to cut some dollars somewhere that you're like, yeah, don't spend it on that because that's a bad idea. But um, I don't know. So I, 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 like I, I couldn't think of a downside. So I am excited by like, this news. I like the example that they stood up for what was right. And, yes. And then they got it. I love that example, that point blank thing that I can point at the TV and explain and, um, in, a, in hopefully simple enough terms. Because I think it is simple enough. They deserve equal, and they got equal, and that's great. So I, I love the example for people to see that they can make a difference and, and them fighting for themselves. I love it. Yes, that is great news. What I know that you need to know, Liverpool came up just short in their hopes for a quadruple. Uh, Sunday. Did we that a week ago? I thought we knew that last week. No, we knew it was likely, but it became official Sunday. It it was a crazy day Sunday. You're welcome for not texting you because I was texting my brother. Um, I was on pins and needles in, uh, on my focus at Blacksburg, so it would have probably gone on deaf ears. The day started out, well, it was in the morning. Um, the day started out with Liverpool needing Manchester City to lose or draw, and Liverpool has to win. Wolves is who Liverpool is playing. Wolves is relatively competitive. Aston Villa is who Manchester City is playing, and Aston Villa's doormat. So what happens is Wolves, in like the third minute, scores a goal. Goes up 1-0 on Liverpool. Not great. Then Aston Villa scores on Manchester City and goes up 1-0. And you're like, okay, we like that. Liverpool ties it up before halftime. It's 1-1 going into the half. Aston Villa holds on to their lead. It's 1-0 Aston Villa going into the half. And at halftime, I'm like, I think we can do this. I think we're beating Wolves. It's just a question of, can Aston Villa hold on? Second half starts. Aston Villa goes up 2-0 on Manchester City. With former Liverpool player Philip Coutinho scoring the second goal for Aston Villa. Which I was like, oh. This is storybook writing. This is meant to be. Liverpool, we just have to find this winning goal. Then Manchester City makes it 2-1. Then Manchester City makes it 2-2. I like how you go to we, like, so quickly <laughs> with these teams against the, against what you, like, for what you want. That isn't your team that you refer. I love how fast you go to we. Then, then I was like, uh-oh. 
we're in trouble because it's two two. <laughs> I know I just trouble. did it again. Yeah, but the, the two goals were scored in like five minutes, and I was like, uh oh. Manchester City scores again to go up three to two. Liverpool finally gets the lead against Wolves. Liverpool ends up winning three one, but Manchester City wins three to two. So Manchester City wins the Premier League. That being said, Liverpool has still won the Carabao Cup, which I don't really care about, other than the context of it potentially being a quadruple. They it's did win nice the FA Cup. Championships you don't care about. They did win the it's FA Cup, which is again. important. And they have the Champions League coming up this Saturday against Real Madrid, which is crucially important. If they beat Real Madrid and win another Champions League, that's a huge success for Liverpool. It's already been a successful year. A quadruple would have been historic. No team in England has ever done that. So that was the potential there. But because it didn't happen, it's like, okay. Um, Manchester City's coach. Here's the thing about English soccer. And Leland, I think you would like this aspect of it because of what you were talking about with the F1 press conferences. They don't have press conferences like that per se, but the coaches tend to troll each other from the major clubs. So Pep Guardiola, who is the Manchester City manager, was asked about being knocked out of the Champions League and going for the Premier League. You know, is that a letdown or anything? And he said... I think it's harder to win the Premier League than the Champions League, uh, if I'm being honest, which it's not. I mean, the Premier League, there's like three or four teams maybe who legitimately have a chance of winning that thing. The Champions League, the top teams from each league in Europe are in it, and there's a handful of teams that could win. Um, So it's just not the case. Uh, But... The other thing, so that's just, the trolling is one thing. The other thing I think you would love, Leland, and this is an example, there is a highly talented player. You might remember him from the World Cup because he played for France, Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. Great striker. Plays for a team Mm -hmm. in Paris, PSG. His contract was running out at the end of this season, and it was rumored he was going to Real Madrid. So much so that, like, their ESPN FC is reporting, like, when Real Madrid is knocking PSG out of the Champions League, that, wow, Kylian Mbappe gets knocked out by Real Madrid, but he'll probably be wearing that Real Madrid uniform next year. And so you're, it's just out there. Well, about four days before his decision is going to be announced, yet source, there are sources from both camps saying he's going to the other team. Real Madrid says he's staying at PSG, and PSG says he's going to Real Madrid. So both sides are convinced they're not getting this guy. So there's that kind of high-tension drama. Kylian Mbappe says, you know what? I'm staying at PSG. And not Real Madrid, La Liga, which is the league Real Madrid plays in, says they're going to sue PSG for re-signing Kylian Mbappe. (laughs) And it was rumored that he was going to Real Madrid, which that's going to get thrown out. But I just found it hilarious. And I was like, oh, my gosh, European soccer is amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. European sport, like, you know what? That's what I'm learning with this F1 stuff. And I've been light on my F1 watching this week uh, on the on the on the show. I have paid no attention to the race. Um, I 
like, whew, there's a lot of money. A oh my gosh, money. yeah. Think there's a lot of money in American sports. Man, there's a lot of money over there. And I mean, it's, it's, it is different than American sports and maybe in a worse way. Like, <laughs> it's not <laughs> healthy. And I think it sets up for a lot of un, unclean things to happen. It's crazy. It is crazy how much money and money based pressure is on that on athletes over there on teams over there how quick uh winning and losing can change people's opinions and um yeah when i see you know certain players in american sports that are considered the best in the sports and they haven't won a super bowl in a long time and only won the one like i don't think that happens in f1 i'd I'd be surprised if it happens in soccer i don't know soccer as well but it just seems like all this the hype is different. The hype is different, and uh, it's interesting. The hype is different, but it's also <sighs> so with soccer, especially. Like you always make jokes about like what tournament or what season is this that they're in, and so because yeah, there's multiple ones, on me, there's multiple trophies that these teams are playing for that fans can get their hopes up for. And for some clubs, like it's just being in the Premier League, like that is an achievement in itself. Because the money in the Premier League is so much more than this other league below them. And then you have other leagues below that. That, like, for example, this championship that's called the English Championship League. That is going to have a playoff uh, final for the final promotion spot. And that is called the world's richest game. Because of the amount of money on the line for the club that wins that game in terms of TV revenue and ad revenue and attendance and ticket revenue that they can charge if they get promoted in the Premier League. So yeah. it's a very, very important match for those teams. Um, but it's uh, and, and I laughed because there was a team that is li- one of Liverpool's rivals, Everton. I watch and listen to men and blazers podcast, which is an American soccer podcast that is hilarious. And they put a comedic twist on soccer, which I highly recommend if you are trying to get into soccer, but also want to be able to laugh. Um, One of the hosts is an Everton fan and they were very much in danger of getting relegated until last week. And they won a match after falling behind two nothing. They came back to win three, two, which guaranteed their spot in the Premier League, which is good because they ended up losing on the last day of the year. Um, mm. But because they stayed up to be promoted, just seeing his reaction just made me laugh out loud. Because And then the fans stormed the pitch because they're just, like, just good enough to stay in the Premier League. They're terrible, but just <laughs> good enough to stay in the Premier League. And they're going bananas. And I was like, I love that. Like, it'll never happen here. In America. And as an Orioles fan, I guess I better be glad that it isn't the case in Major League Baseball right now. But promotion and relegation, like all these leagues that talk about, like, we really want to crack crack down on tanking. If they really wanted to crack down on tanking, they'd institute that. The owners don't want to crack down on tanking. Not really. They want to be able to suck and still be in the top league and make all the money. Yep. That's true. Yeah, that's fun. So that will do it for us on this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you're tuning in next week. We'll be talking about some of these region playoffs. Yeah, we will. Hopefully we'll have some teams going to state tournaments. Leland thinks 
That's guaranteed. We'll have some. We'll have some. We'll have some. Yep. We will have some. Hopefully, we have the maximum. Um, but until then, make sure you're subscribing on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, however you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod or Facebook Yak Sports Pod. You can also email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Tell us what you think. Are the commanders moving to Woodbridge or did they spend $100 million for funsies? Which one of our teams is a lock for this playoff? Which is not? You tell us. And also, shout out to Mackenzie Monterozo on the Waynesboro Girls soccer team, Boys and Girls Club alum, Boys and Girls Club for life. Do really good in your tournament. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.